Section 17 of How to Sing. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ruth Golding. How to Sing by Lily Lehman. Translated by Richard Aldrich. Section 17. The Highest Head Tones. As we have already seen, there is almost no limit to the height that can be reached by the pure head tone without admixture of palatal resonance. Very young voices especially can reach such heights, for without any strain they possess the necessary adaptability and skill in the adjustment to each other of the larynx, tongue, and pillars of the fauces. A skill that rests on ignorance of the true nature of the phenomenon must be called pure chance, and thus its disappearance is as puzzling to teacher and listener as its appearance had been in the first place. How often is it paired with a total lack of ability to produce anything but the highest head tones? As a general rule, such voices have a very short lease of life, because their possessors are exploited as wonders before they have any conception of the way to use them, of tone, right singing, and of cause and effect in general. An erroneous pressure of the muscles, a wrong movement of the tongue, raising the tip, for instance, an attempt to increase the strength of the tone, all these things extinguish quickly and for all time the wonder-singer's little light. We layman children in our youth could sing to the very highest pitch. It was nothing for my sister Marie to strike the four-line C a hundred times in succession, and trill on it for a long time. She could have sung in public at the age of seven. But since our voices, through the circumstances of our life and surroundings, were forced to early exertions, they lost their remarkable high notes. Yet enough was left to sing the Queen of Night in Mozart's opera Die Zauberflöte with the high F. After I had been compelled to use my lower and middle ranges much more in the study of dramatic parts, I omitted the highest notes from my practice, but could not then always have relied on them. Now that I know on what it all depends, it is very easy for me to strike high F, G, and G-sharp not only in passing, but to combine it with any tone through three octaves. But upon the least pressure by any organ, the head resonance loses its brilliancy. That is, the breath no longer streams into the places where it should. But one should not suppose that the pure head tones have no power. When they are properly used, their vibrancy is a substitute for any amount of power, and mixed with chest resonance they can create very strong tones. As soon as the head tones come into consideration, one should never attempt to sing an open R, because on R the tongue lies flattest. One should think of an A, and in the highest range even an E, should mix the A and E with OO, and thereby produce a position of the tongue and soft palate that makes the path clear for the introduction of the breath into the cavities of the head. Singers who, on the other hand, pronounce A and E too sharply, need only introduce an admixture of OO, 
they thereby lower the position of the larynx and thus give the vowel and tone a darker color. Since the stream of breath in the highest tones produces currents whirling with great rapidity, the more rapidly the higher the tone is, the slightest pressure that may injure the form in which they circulate may ruin the evenness of the tone, its pitch, perhaps the tone itself. Each high tone must soar gently like the overtones. The upper limits of a bass and baritone voice are where, consequently, the tones must be mixed. Pure head tones, that is, falsetto, are never demanded higher than this. I regard it, however, as absolutely necessary for the artist to give consideration to his falsetto, that he may include it among his known resources. Neither a bass nor a baritone should neglect to give it the proper attention, and both should learn to use it as one of their most important auxiliary forces. With what mastery did Betts make use of it? How noble and beautiful his voice sounded in all its ranges! Of what even strength it was, and how infallibly fresh! And let no one believe that nature gave it to him thus. As a beginner in Berlin, he was quite unsatisfactory. He had the alternative given him either to study with great industry or to seek another engagement, for his successor had already been selected. Betts chose to devote himself zealously to study. He began also to play the cello. He learned to hear and finally raised himself to be one of our first singers in many roles never to be forgotten. Betts knew, like myself, many things that today are neither taught nor learned. See section on pronunciation. End of section 17